You're listening to Jet Nation Radio, the official podcast of JetNation.com. The largest independent fan site in the NFL. Be sure to check out our forums and talk all things Jets with thousands of other diehard Jets fans. Now to get you up to date on all the latest Jets news, notes, and quotes, here are your hosts, Glenn Naughton, Dylan Terriman, and Alex Varallo. Good evening, Jets fans. I am Glenn Naughton. This is Jet Nation Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in. And thank God it's finally here or just hours away, uh, 24, 25, 26 of them anyway. The NFL draft, the wait is, I mean, thank God. I, I'm joined by Alex Varallo. Alex, how miserable has this run-up to the draft been? By the way, Dylan Terriman, unable to join us tonight, called into work for some uh, emergency uh, construction work that he had to knock out. So good luck to him tonight. He'll be uh, pulling a long yeah. shift. Uh, unfortunately not here. We tried to arrange it so all three of us could be here. Big show, Mock Draft 3.0. Uh, and finally, Alex, how much of a relief is it that 24 hours from now, the speculation, the guessing, all that comes to an end and real names start to fill in the blanks. Yeah. Um, you know, like you said, I, I tweeted it before, one more sleep, folks. Um, and, and we finally made it. Um, as you said, off air, this has probably been one of the longest off seasons um, that, I, that I can remember. Um, I think we were ready to do mock drafts come week eight last year <laughs> after everything was so horrific. So, this has been long and anticipated, um, you know, and we're finally going to have all the speculation and projections and, um, you know, the rumors and, and all those stuff are all that's going to be answered within the next, you know, few days. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very excited for it. I, I'm hopeful. I'm nervous. Um, you know, basically all the emotions that I guess a human can uh, feel at this point in time. I'm I'm going through all of them like a roller coaster um, up until tomorrow when, when we finally hear um, Roger Goodell announce our pick. So we're, we're so close and um, definitely excited to do our final mock and our, and our predictions for tonight. Um, hoping that Dylan gets back to me because I'd, I'd like to share his mock that he put together. Um, but like you said, he's a busy man and, um, you know, maybe we could tweet it out for him later on or something like that. Yeah, sounds good. And, and I know what you mean with going through the range of emotions as a fan, as a fan of a team that hasn't done anything significant. And really, for many of us in our lifetime, like the, the, the high point for this team is a playoff win. If you've been a fan for the last 35, 40 years, as, as people mm-hmm. like yourself and, and, and myself and Dylan, not quite as long as us, but if you've been with this fan for decades, like the highlight is a playoff win. And it's, it's like, come on, enough already. How about some sustained success? How about something more than two or three playoff trips in a five-year span and then back to insignificance for a decade? I mean, I've had enough of it. I, listen, I go from crazy, insane optimism, like Joe Douglas is going to get this right. Joe Douglas is going to nail it. He's the first legit GM we've had in years. And then I look at last year's draft, and I look at the hits but the misses. And, yes, I know some of these guys 
you know, the book isn't written on any of these guys yet. They've been in the league one year. But the, the, the P. Ryan pick, the Ash, Ashton Davis pick, the James Morgan pick, all these guys taken when a schlub like me, Joe Blow, idiot fan, saw guys on the board who were year one starters who could have improved this roster immediately, and Joe Douglas passed on them in favor of guys who will probably be, some of these guys anyway, James Morgan, LaMichael P. Ryan, these guys are probably career backups. Um, I mean, maybe you start a guy like P. Ryan, he's an average starter for you, whatever. But uh, Cam Clark, as I've said a million times before, I'm still high on. And listen, here's the problem, Alex, with, with evaluating last year's class. Not only did they draft guys who spent a lot of the year on the bench injured, they drafted guys because the head coach was a moron. Somebody said to me uh, on the forums on JetNation.com, which, by the way, if you are not on the forums on JetNation.com, get on that. They're going to be crazy busy draft weekend. They always are. You might get locked out. So if you're not registered, register now. They had to shut down registration. I think each of the last few years on draft day, they've had to lock new, new users out because the forums get overwhelmed. It's madness in there. Um, but someone said to me in there the other day, why does, why does Cam Clark get a pass? for not finding his way on the field his rookie year. My answer to that is you had a head coach who started the worst running back on the roster every chance he got, had every guy on the depth chart was more productive than he was, but the idiot coach started the worst guy on the roster. So that's why a guy like Cam Clark gets a pass, because he may have been better than some of the guys starting ahead of him. In all reality, he probably wasn't. He was probably what people like me said he was a guy with starter potential who was coming out of a small program and changing positions, so would probably need a redshirt year, and that's what he got, faith in Cam Clark. You know who else I have faith in? Mile Social, the official sponsor of Jet Nation Radio. If you are a small business owner, a medium-sized business owner, a large business owner, contact Mile Social if you need someone to look at your social media platforms and help you improve your, your outreach to your customers whether it's your Facebook, your Twitter, your TikTok, your, your Instagram, whatever it may be, go to milesocial.com. That's M-I-L-E social, milesocial.com, so they can help you optimize your outreach to your, current, your customers through all of your social media platforms. So, Alex, I was talking about Cam Clark, talking about all these rookies who didn't get a chance to show what they could do under Adam Gase. And that kind of segues into what I'd like to do and I'll, I'll have you do the same. We're going to get right into these mocks. A uh, couple things different. Well, one major difference from the previous mocks. We all agreed, myself, Dylan, and Alex, this, this mock would have trades, but we would limit it to one trade. Because some of these online – and you don't even have to do a trade. You can if you want. Mm-hmm. Some of these online mocks are insane. I've literally seen people post mock drafts with 35 picks, and they're like, this is what we should do. Right, because that's going to happen. <laughs> So you, you get one trade, obviously best value you want. It, it's up to you who you want to trade with, what you want to get. So you're allowed one trade and one trade only. It can be up, it can be down, whatever. Um, and I'm just going to give a quick overview, and then Alex for him, just take a couple seconds to look. At, I'm going to look at my mock and say, if I were a fan, how would I criticize this so that I can address the criticism of the draft, which there will be, and that's what this is for. It's for fun, and, you know, we all know everything, and everyone can correct everyone, and, and blah, 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 blah. So with my mock, I'm taking into account Cam Clark. Um, even though he didn't get on the field, Joe Douglas just drafted him. I think the Jets view him as a future starter. 
Um, so I take that into consideration when looking at how many offensive linemen I should draft. Uh, I'm looking, again, uh, with the running back situation, if we, as we've discussed in the past, this is somewhere where Alex and I disagree. But in looking at the most productive backs and the, the teams that win Super Bowls or go to Super Bowls, like it's rarely mm-hmm. the first-round backs. So that's why I'm not taking a Travis Etienne uh, or anybody first round. I'm, I'm just not going with a running back there. There are some very talented players. As I've said, I would not be sad if Travis Etienne was a Jet. It's just something I would disagree with philosophically. Um, so that's why my draft will play out the way it does. Uh, but the main thing I think that, that even I looked at it and thought, hmm, I probably could have taken another lineman. But uh, I'm looking at Cam Clark and saying, you know what, I'm viewing him as a guy who didn't get on the field last year but will get on the field this year. Uh, Alex, do you have anything to break down with your draft before we get into it? Yeah, you know, I was trying to put together, you know, some viable trades and things like that. And, um, you know, my first pick would probably warrant something of that nature. Um, but, uh, you know, I really couldn't put together, you know, wrap around my head what it's going to be. So, you know, mine is definitely probably going to receive the most criticism tonight. But a lot of the things that you had, had mentioned, you know, um, just some trends I've seen, you know, with with Mox coming out with like three offensive linemen from this draft, and um, mainly because you know Jay, Joe Douglas is a uh, offensive line kind of guy, and we've heard things like that. So, um, you know, it's kind of funny how we we say that, but then we look at you know previous stuff, and it just doesn't add up. And you know, being that we're going to have like a rookie quarterback going into this thing, how many inexperienced guys do you really want up front protecting this young, you know, signal, signal caller? Um, because, you know, inexperience can be detrimental. So, um, you know, it, it would be, you know, a plan to go ahead and, and, and take like the, you know, the best offensive linemen, you know, in concession just to like plug and play guys and things like that. But, you know, in reality, it just may not – it may look good on paper, but it may not look good on Sunday. So, you know, we've taken, um, you know, some deep dives in, into these players as we've talked about our guys and, you know, top players of the position and guys that we think fit the, the team needs and things like that. And, you know, for me, basically, when I put together this mock, what I was looking at as I was addressing, you know, holes and, and needs on this um, on this roster um, – while also creating some depth and some, you know, some pieces that could be used down the line as well. And, you know, something that you had talked about um, earlier, you know, was about, you know, JD's or Joe, sorry, we say JD in our our chat so much because, you know, we try to shorten our takes up here. So Joe Douglas last year had nine picks, came away with about, I want to say four starters. And now you're looking at this, 2020 draft and you're saying okay maybe there's a potential five starters for this year so he almost went 50 percent from the field and to be honest with you you know we say we could have went elsewhere in different areas to get more starters but you know if you hit for 50 percent of your picks um you know from last year and we have 10 going into this year and we hit for another 50 percent you've got 10 starters you know on rookie contracts and and i think that's how you build um you know that's almost one side of the ball um, completely filled out on rookie contracts with, you know, you know, air quoting here, uh, future potential and, you know, talented potential. So, you know, that's kind of the way that I, I, I looked at this, um, you know, long-term and short-term for certain positions. And, uh, you know, there isn't no quick fix to this whole thing, but, you know, darn it, we're going to try to do it. 
Well, absolutely. And listen, uh, you're right. And, and I've, I've, I've had that thought myself, even in being critical of, uh, of, of those sort of bad picks bunched in the middle of that class. Um, I have had to remind myself that uh, as bad as the Jets drafts have been, if Becton, if Mims, if Hall, those three guys alone look like they should be very good starters for, for a long time. And so if some of these other guys chip in or become starters, if a guy like Zuniga becomes a starter, as I've said before, I think the, um, I think the, the, the Morgan pick is, is a little bit of a waste, but it's just kind of one of those things where you're not going to be perfect, but I don't know about the, um, I don't know about some of the middle guys, but you're right in saying that it's still not a bad class uh, as a whole. So before we get off with our get started with our mocks, we're going to go to the phones very quickly here. Uh, caller four three four area code. What do you got for us? What's up, guys? Is this actually Glenn? Am I it's talking actually with Glenn. Glenn? Oh, is oh it Green Bean? Yeah, this is Green Bean. This is. Uh, I've been quote, awesome. talking to you for over a decade, but this is the first time we're actually talking, talking, isn't it? Yes, this is actually uh, – it's one of those things, uh, Green Bean. I actually mentioned at the top here that people need to get on the forums on JetNation.com. Uh, yeah, Green Bean and I have been on Jet Nation for many, many years. Uh, he started working with the site uh, earlier – well, about a year ago, and we've communicated back and forth about getting him on the show, and one time he was uh, – Green Bean is forever on the road. That's why his Jet Nation videos are on the road with Green Bean. I believe you were in a dead spot where you couldn't log on. And the following week, I completely forgot we'd arranged to have you on. <laughs> and then when we finally got you on, I was at work and wasn't able to be on. So uh, yeah, it's good to crazy. have you, Green Bean. We're, yeah, uh, we're man, about right to jump on. in. Yeah, we're about to jump into our mocks. But uh, before we get started, what do you got, buddy? Yeah, I just want to say, um, you know, there's a lot of of uh, these reports coming out like so so far the press has been dead wrong on everything joe douglas is going to do and we're hearing about yes. travis Etienne and and i just want to say uh number one this is a leakless organization so if there's a leak out if this is actually coming from the jets then there's a reason for it and i would never think that the reason would actually be that they're going to draft a uh running back you know namely travis ETN. So I think that they're trying to get somebody else to look at Travis ETN, maybe take him a little earlier or something like that. Because my bold prediction is for pick 23 is not going to be offensive line like we think. It's going to be Zavin Collins, the linebacker. That's what I think at 23. And I think because uh, the, the offensive line class is significantly deeper. Um, so the the linebackers are not quite as deep. So I think Joe Douglas is going to give Robert Sala a little gift, a welcoming gift. What do you think? Well, I believe I uh, both Dylan and Alex had Collins as their second as their second first round pick with our first mock. <laughs> Since then, I have picked him there several times. Um, I will say that with this mock 3.0, I did not do that, but I was very tempted. And I wouldn't hate the pick. And I think the point you hit on is is the thing that makes me think it's it's most likely in that you've got a new head coach. I think the offense, I think the draft is going to lean heavily toward offense. So in order to sort of give him something to, that he'll be happy about and be able to work with, I think David Collins at 23, if there is no trade down, is a very real possibility. And I think any Jet fan not happy with that pick would have to be out of their mind. Alex, I, I assume you're along those same lines, having 
having mocked him in, in your 1.0, if I'm not mistaken. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you'll get no complaints from me with David Collins, you know, being one of the field generals in Salah's defense. Um, you know, we're, we're looking at how this is all going to pan out, and I think that there's one big piece to the puzzle missing on defense, and a lot of people will say it's a pass rusher, it's a pass rusher. But, you know, I think about um, the way Fred Warner – and his role playing in that San Francisco defense, kind of being a Swiss Army knife and being able to give run support, drop into zone coverage, and, and give you an occasional pass rush. And I think that those are the three elements that you can absolutely accept from Collins. So no complaints from me, Green Bean, on that one. But I got to ask yeah. you, if, uh, if you were in Joe Douglas's shoes right now and you had to run up the card, who are you taking at the number, number two pick overall? And I'm not allowed to trade. I would take, I would take Zach Wilson. That's what I'd be doing. Okay, okay. If and I and since you trade. brought it up in a, in a trade <laughs> scenario, where are we going? <laughs> uh, well, you know what's funny? I have a I have a guy who talks to me, and he said that the Panthers are still out there sniffing around. That the Sam Darnold thing is more of a holdover. If they can get up there and get a quarterback, they would. So I'd like I'd, – I'd consider them, I'd consider Detroit, and I would also try to trick the Niners into thinking we want their guy. Give us Fred Warner, like, you know, like I think you might have been saying. Give us a second in Fred Warner. We'll go back to three and we'll take uh, Justin Fields. I'd be happy with that too. Ooh, wait. I'm getting goosebumps over here. Yeah. I think the – I think the issue there is that the Jets actually do want the 49ers guy – uh, I think if San Fran had their pick, they'd go with Zach Wilson. I think that's who the Jets want. Uh, a trade down, I just, I mean, it would be shocking. But listen, you know, if, if you're the Jets and you're Joe Douglas and the and the 49ers just blow you out of the water with 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 a deal you can't refuse to think, well, okay, all we have to do is move down one spot and you still get Justin Fields, who's a fantastic prospect in his own right, uh, you know, depending on who you talk to. I know, I've, what was it, Chris Sims the other day, uh, had him rank, you know, had him going thirty second, which is absurd. He's not making it that way. Unbelievable! I, I, I don't. I keep saying he won't make it past Atlanta, but there is a part of me that thinks they'd really love to have Pitts on that offense. But I just can't. He's a Georgia kid. Matt Ryan is a hundred. Uh, perfect situation for Fields to sit and learn for a year, or at least you know eight, ten games while while Ryan quarterbacks that team. Um, and I just I don't see him making it past Atlanta. But there are a a surprisingly large number of people who see it unfolding that way. Even if it's not 32, as Sims predicted, we've seen quite a few people project him, you know, at or around, you know, just outside of the top 10. Um, and I listen, as I no no prospect is perfect, um, but there are those, even Albert Breer, I, I listened to him a couple weeks ago, and he's a big fields guy, and he ranks him high in this class, but he, he says he thinks he needs to sit for a year. Um, I think, as a matter of fact, I think he may have said Atlanta, wherever it was, there was, there was a spot, he, it was Atlanta or somewhere where there was a starter in place, and he said, I think that would be the perfect spot for him so he can sit for a year. And a lot of people seem to feel that way. Um, and listen, we'll see how it all unfolds, man. Um, and you got anything yeah. else for us, Green? No, that's it. I'll let you guys get to your mocks. I just want to take the opportunity to say hello and wish you guys a happy draft eve going to be an yes, exciting indeed. day tomorrow i i can't wait yes merry draft day to you <laughs> all right guys see you, alex see you glenn take, take care for your time brother good luck
We're going to do right. this. We're going to get it right tomorrow, baby. All right. So that is Green Bean. As I said, he does his On the Road with Green Bean videos for JetNation.com. Uh, check them out if you get a chance. Fantastic stuff. And the guy has a top, probably top three beard of all time uh, if you get a chance to watch the videos. So let's get right into it, Alex. We've had Green Bean. We've talked about why we've done what we've done. Uh, I'm assuming, Alex, you've made a trade. Will we, do you want to announce your trade now before we get going, or do you want to announce it when it comes? Um, yeah, that, that was the thing is, you know, I kind of went back and forth with it and, um, I couldn't, I couldn't really figure out the right, right, uh, you know, points. I tried to look at the system and everything and I, uh, I started getting smoke out of my ears. So, um, my pick is going to be the most bizarre that, you know, for most Jets fans here. Um, but I think it would work better in a scenario where like maybe Atlanta and the Jets swap and they, they give us some compensation and things like that. Um, should I just pull the trigger here and, and, and kick us off, bud? Yeah, go ahead and get us started. Okay. So so last year I was thinking about this, and I tried to do the calculated approach of what I would think Joe Douglas would do and what the team would do. And um, it quite interesting. I, I was wrong with my first two picks, and they ended up taking two of my favorite players that I had had in, in, in the draft with their respected positions of offensive line and wide receiver, and that was Makai Becton and Denzel Mims. I had talked about Denzel Mims so much last year, and I just kind of just ruled him out and figured he wasn't in the cards for the Jets whatsoever to be pleasantly surprised to find out, well, actually, if we all remember, you know, he was on the board, then we traded, and I think my heart, you know, just kind of went into my throat, and then all of a sudden the world was balanced and, and wonderful again because they did select him. So I'm going with more of what I want the Jets to do with this first pick, even though I'm about 99.9% sure it's going to be Zach Wilson. But I have to go with my guy, Trey Lance, here. Um, like, like you said, Glenn, it works better in a trade scenario um, because the gurus, the pundits, and, um, you know, the, the Twitter trolls out there will come from my head saying, you must be crazy to go for a kid from the FCS with only 17 or 18 games under his belt to be the franchise quarterback of the New York Jets. Well, you know, breaking news, folks, I am a little crazy because I'm a Jets fan. That's who I really want the Jets to, to pick, even though I, I understand it's more or less going to be a Zach Wilson, um, you know, maybe a 70-30 split between him and Fields. Um, and I'm perfectly fine with that scenario, too. Um, what I would want personally, and that's what I did with my first pick, and then I'll, I'll bring things, you know, more to reality with the following picks. All right. Yeah, I think uh, I think the, the biggest knock, Trey Lance to me is the biggest boomer bust quarterback in this draft. Uh, the, the biggest concern to me is that um, is the lack of attempts, 288 attempts in college. Uh, that's not that's like less than a full season worth of passes. Um, and he's doing it at North Dakota State. So um, I've, I've had this discussion with a few people and I find it I find it odd. Like I, I've had people literally tell me. Uh, you can't draft Zach Wilson. He played at BYU, who he beat. And, by the way, let's take Trey Lance, who played at North Dakota State, uh, never beat anybody <laughs> close Never beat anybody close to some of the teams Zach Wilson beat, and he threw less right. than fewer than 300 passes in his career. Um, so I don't get it, but I, I, don't, I don't know if, that, if, that, if, 
you've made that particular argument, Alex. I just mean a few of the people I've encountered in some of our, oh, you that. know, you know, online conversations. Sure, you know, the amount of yeah. attempts, the level of competition, um, you know, just all different things like that. And, you know, I, I tend to think about it, too, the way that you, you know, not scrutinized, but the way that you um, see Zach Wilson in the manner where he wasn't in a scenario like Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence or Mac Jones where you have All-American five-star athletes, you know, basically, you know, a la carte when it comes to positional um, special, you know, players on, on in your offense. And, you know, if you look at some of the, the tools and then the players that he had to work with, I mean, none of these guys are going to see the, the day, the field on Sundays. And, you know, I think about how he elevated a lot of those players. And I'm just, you know, for trying to, you know, project him in an NFL offense with higher caliber players around him. And then I can just see him kind of transcending into another level. So that's kind of the way that I perceive his projection in the NFL. Yes, it's easy to just say he didn't play against tough competition, yet if you look at the FCS, North Dakota State is the Alabama or Clemson of that league. They've won about eight championships in the last decade. Um, He had a perfect season um, being undefeated, no interceptions, no fumbles, you know, he's a quarterback from the waist up, but from the legs down, um, he's probably one of the best runners um, in this class. As far as, you know, um, breaking through tackles and, and balance after contact and his eyes, um, you know, are, are, he, he's so precise with the little subtle things that he does transitioning from one lane to the next. And the way that he runs flood options and RPOs and the way he runs a speed option, you know, I look at the dynamics of how much we can expand this offensive playbook with a dual-threat quarterback like that, and it really, really excites me because we've seen a lot of the, the generic, you know, basic uh, smoke screens, run up the middle, you know, uh, try to get the ball to Crowder seven yards underneath the, uh, you know, the first um, down marker. And we saw that for two years. Very bland, very boring. Um, no creativity, and I think that, you know, and I'm not trying to, you know, knock Sam Darnold or, you know, because Gase was bad and, you know, Sam was inexperienced and the two of them together was just a bad combination. Uh, But that's what I think about as far as, you know, moving into a modern-day offense. You know, there's a trend with these dual-threat guys that that are occurring, and I think that that's where the league is going, where they want quarterbacks to wear now they're becoming more mobile where in the past we were always talking about, you know, guys that own the pocket. You know, I think that what Trey Lance does in the pocket is actually very good. He's very accurate. He stands tall. He'll stay in there, deliver a strike and take the hit. He's not afraid of contact at all. You know, Sam Darnold was a little bit of a deer in headlights when he would see pressure, not the case with, with a Trey Lance. He does phenomenal against play action and the defense also has to, um, you know, play heads up because you never know when he's going to just flip it and, and tuck that ball and run. So you have to be ready for both dynamics of what he can do, and I think that, you know, that aspect of what he brings to the table makes him dynamic, makes what the, what the offense will be a little bit more masked, and, 
you know, that's why I get excited about him. Yet, I know it's not going to happen, but uh, a man can dream. All right, Alex. So uh, I'm going to go with, uh, obviously, a quarterback, and I'm going to go with my guy, Zach Wilson. I think he's got, you know, that I've talked about it before, the things that jump out on tape, you know, to me when I watch him, uh, obviously the accuracy, the deep ball accuracy, the number of absolute pinpoint perfect throws that he makes into tight windows, the quick release, which I think is an area where he's superior to uh, Justin Fields. Uh, and the one thing that Justin Fields also does well, but I think Wilson has a slight edge, is the the ability to consistently adjust his arm angle when need be to get a ball around the defender and to his receiver. I think there's a good reason why so many people are mocking him to the Jets at two. Uh, I tweeted out earlier, and um, I don't know what it is. I don't know if people are mentally insane or they're so disturbed by Zach Wilson uh, and his potential. He is the first quarterback that I can recall in my lifetime who, when I hear critics talk about him, they talk about his accuracy and his his off-the-charts production as reasons why the Jets shouldn't draft him. Um, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, it's literally accuracy to me, as far as I'm concerned, is the single most important thing a quarterback can have. Because if you don't have it, you're not going to last. You have to be able to put the ball where you want it. So I hear people say, uh, Zach Wilson made all these throws through tight windows well, those would be interceptions in the NFL. Uh, first of all, how do you know that? Like, at, at what point did it become law that, that NFL defensive backs intercept every single pass that, that passes through a tight window? And how is that worse than one of the big school quarterbacks who consistently throw to guys who have 10 yards of separation? Like, which one, which guy has proven that he can consistently deliver the ball to a specific spot more consistently like that should be the one thing you want can this guy put the ball exactly where he wants to Zach Wilson can but these psychopaths are like oh that's why the Jets should be careful look at those tight windows he won't be able to he won't be able to emulate that in the NFL well are Mac Jones and Justin Fields going to have 15 yard windows to throw into in the NFL no they're not someone said to me the other day that uh, they were in a discussion where somebody said the Jets should be worried because Zach Wilson was so good last year that it would be impossible for him to repeat it. Like now we're using how good he is as a reason not to draft him. Yeah, let's get, why not draft a guy who sucked his entire career? Cause he's due for a good season. I mean, Jesus Christ. So that's yeah. my pick, Alex, Zach Wilson, number two. Yeah. You know what? And, and a lot of the things that, that you said, um, you know, stand out to me. The, his ability to be deadly accurate in the most bizarre of scenarios when you think the play is over, he can, he he makes a strike and continues to move the sticks, and you know that's what makes him very very exciting. You know the uh, I guess the 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 negative Nelly in me or you know negative Nancy whatever the term is. You know, I, I get a little leery about, you know, I think one of the things I had mentioned when I first started watching him was his aggressiveness. Um, he, he is willing to throw the ball wherever he needs to at any point in time, and he'll get it there. Um, he'll get it there in a timely manner, ball flies out of his hand. Um, you know, but I've seen over-aggressive players at the college level come into the NFL and struggle. 
Um, I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen to um, Mr. Wilson here, um, because like I said, I'm 99.9% sure that he's going to be our guy. And, um, you know, I, I'll just be honest with, with you and our fans that, you know, I do have a little bit of concerns with how aggressive he is with the football. Um, I don't think that he's going to be, um, you know, as drastic as Sam Darnold was with his turnovers. Cause I think Sam was more or less trying to make, you know, a touchdown every single throw and forcing it into bad coverage. Whereas, you know, Zach had a better understanding of the offense that they ran in BYU and he knew where his guys would be and he knew where to put the ball so that his guy could get it. So I think that there's a big difference between, you know, when people try to compare Zach Wilson as the Sam Darnold to light, just, you know, it's, it's a little hard for me to, to, you know, swallow that pill because you look at a kid that had three interceptions in his final season where Sam was damn near over 20 turnovers in his final year before, you know, he came into the NFL. And that apparently wasn't a problem for, for media pundits and, and analysts, which is quite bizarre because it seems like a lot of those guys are, are eating their words right now. Um, but before we get into the second pick here, I, I do see we have a caller on the line here. We want to jump to the phones real quick, Len? Sure, absolutely. Uh, caller, 570 area code. You're on the line. What do you got? Gentlemen, how we doing? Pete, Alex, Glenn, thank you for the, oh, uh, thanks for the invite. Thank you for the time. I tried to text you? you before. Uh, forgive me if, uh, All good. if you I didn't recognize the phone number. I was making the little guys some dinner. No big deal. All right, uh, what do you Papa got for us today, Pete? Comes first. Obviously, you guys are leading off in the first. Uh, no, no complaints, no changes over here. I think it's Wilson as well. I love the point with the accuracy, but that really just leads to it's the Jets. If this kid was going to any other team at number two, he'd be the way they're talking about the number three slot right now. He'd be the media darling. But he's coming off. So instead, it's going to be why he's going to fail, not why he could be successful. This way you still. Yeah, I agree. Listen, if he, if the Niners were in position to get him, they'd be like, oh, Shanahan is going to work miracles, and this kid's going to be the next great one, and da-da-da. But it's the Jets, so it's like, oh, well, he's too accurate. Forget about it. He, I completely hear you. He, he makes so many great throws point. that they shouldn't take him. I love the coaching staff point because about 85% of their offensive staff is now here on the East Coast. But yeah, I understand and, and, and you look at the 15% is Shanahan. Yeah, yeah, and, and they, you know, Shanahan, not to take anything away from him, but you look at a lot of the quarterbacks he's had to work with, and he's, he's done poorly with most of them. But everyone talks about him like he's the second coming and like, oh, if it's a Shanahan quarterback, then, then he's, he's going to win, no doubt about it. And you look at his history throughout the league and some of the court, he's worked with a lot of quarterbacks that had losing records and didn't produce. Um, but but look yeah. At this, I, look, at, look at what his scheme leads to and lends to. It's a heavy play action. It's crosses across the middle of the field, and its staple is a solid, if not dominant, running game. So, in reality, that's the type of offense that should be able to mask a below-average-to-average quarterback. Yeah, it's, I, I, I don't understand. Like I said, I tweeted it earlier. Uh, first and only time I've ever seen people say that a quarterback is so accurate that he shouldn't be drafted. Um, and, uh, but whatever, people have lost their minds on this kid. I don't know what it is, but uh, the Jets, uh, I mean, the hilarious thing is going to be if the Jets don't even take this guy. 
like, like they, they go in and they take somebody else, and we're all going to be like, what the hell just happened? Um, but, yeah, but I mean, right they, a couple weeks they ago. take they take Mac Jones, and then all of a sudden we're sitting here scratching our head, like, where, how did we get here? <laughs> Don't yeah, put yeah, that, that in the that's... air. At least make it fields or lands. Don't put that in the air. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'd be much more comfortable with either fields or lands. You know, Mac Jones. I, I I put out the tweet on on the national championship night. I said I feel like he's the guy that shows up, you know, late to the party, but ends up taking the hottest girl home. Um, just in the right place at the right time with all these amazing weapons, Heisman Trophy winner, you know, maybe the next Steven Jackson and the running back in Najee Harris, and every single lineman is a farm animal that's an absolute beast. Um, not trying to discredit, you know, what Mac Jones has done. He had a great year. Um, it's just you, you look at certain things and you're saying, all right, he's doing very, very basic things out there. And he's getting a lot out of the, the guys that he's throwing the ball to. But, May uh, I ask a question so, based so, on what you just said there? Sure, Why yeah, is go this for entire it. fan base, and I'm not sure which one between you and Glenn it is, or Glenn and Alex it is, but why is it that rolls off the tongue possibly the next Steven Jackson, but nobody is interested in investing in the next Steven Jackson and Najee Harris? Because I think that comp is borderline perfect. I really do. They both offer it out of the backfield. They both have enough speed, willing to run through somebody, which Najee improved on this year. But this fan base is is in, up in arms if you even bring up Najee at 23 or, even better, Najee at 34. Why? Yeah, I, I can tell you yeah. why, because I'm one of those Go that don't that want them. Yep. Um, I, I think there are backs, like a guy like I, I keep championing, Kenneth Gainwell, or even a Chuba Hubbard later in the draft. I feel like if, if you look historically, especially like the last 10 years, you know, one of the examples I gave recently was, uh, you know, when, when Salah and LaFleur went to a Super Bowl with the 49ers, they did it with three undrafted free agents at running back and, uh, and one free agent addition, Tevin Coleman, who they signed like a $5 million deal. Um, you look at the guys like the Saquon Barkleys, the Ezekiel Elliotts, like these guys, they, teams don't win. They rarely see a second contract. They, they wear down quicker than most positions. And, I can sit, and you know, as I said uh, earlier in the year, if you look at the most productive backs in the NFL last year, the top eight rushers were all, all but one were drafted outside of the first round. They were anywhere from second round to undrafted free agent. So the most productive guys have come after round one, and the guys who win come after round one. Even let, like you look at the Bucks and say Leonard Fournette. Oh, they had Fournette. He was a first round. Right. He was a first rounder who, who Jacksonville basically told the media, we tried to give this guy away and nobody would give us a pick for him, so we have to release him. And then he sat there for a few weeks before the Bucks signed him for pennies on the dollar. I mean, backs just – first round backs, don't, they don't produce any better – Again, the top eight guys last year were second between second round and undrafted free agent. Super Bowl winning teams are doing it with undrafted free agents and free agents that they pick up off pick up off the scrap heap. Like if you build a solid enough foundation, you can win. So the uh, so to me, the thought of taking a back where you could take a lineman who can block for whoever you put back there, I would rather that. And these guys wear down quickly. These these running backs they rarely see a second contract, and if they do. By that year, by that second or third year of that second contract, they're making ten million a year, and they're half the player they were two years ago. They wear down. 
You know, these, these, these feature backs who have these, they'll have these two or three monster seasons and then they're pedestrians, but they're being paid like superstars. So give me some offensive linemen, give me some guys to build around and then give me, you know, I'm not saying wait till round seven to take a back. I'm saying take a guy, you know, late round two or sometime in round three, as I've said, Kenneth Gainwell, Chilba Hubbard, guys like this. I just, I'm not interested in a running back in, in the, in the first round because Again, the most productive guys are outside of that range, and the guys who win are outside of that range. I would be more intrigued in Gainwell personally than Chuba, only because, to me, Hubbard has the straight-line speed, but what does Hubbard bring right now that I don't know if Josh Adams can bring, who's already on the roster? Similar. And and the guy I like that I've talked about, Alex, as you know, uh, Chris Evans out of Michigan – uh, no mm-hmm. idea why the guy didn't get more carries there last year, but to me, I've said it before, I look at him and I see a starting running back. I, I see a piece, but I do think he's a very interesting piece. I see that in Kenny Gainwell, who you brought up. I see a starter, a borderline starter in Kenny Gainwell and a three-down back. So you Yeah, when I say Gainwell, I, me with that. I say Gainwell in round two or three. Chris Evans, to me, is a guy taking round, you know, four, five, six, somewhere in there. Yeah, I would think more around five. I'm driving the cream bandwagon, so trust me. I, I got 23 already ear holds for that. Uh, dream scenario would probably be Tevin makes it to 23, and you can still get cream at 34, but I don't know that they're going to double dip on the offensive line that early with a defensive coach, with a new scheme coming in, and not for nothing, but this defense is barren in certain areas, like linebacker, like cornerback. So I don't yeah, know yeah, they, they, they're going to double They have to grab a couple of corners. I, I, think, I saw a report that I actually liked. I think the value at corner in this class is going to be sort of round three or four. I think the really early guys either have injury issues or, uh, or you know, uh, you there's, no real ball, there's no real ball hawks. There's not a lot of ball skill. So I'd rather go with the guys a little bit later than the, these these first couple rounds. But uh, but Pete, we got to cut you loose. We got another caller on the line, and we got to finish up this mock. So thanks it. for calling in. I thanks for calling, gentlemen. Have a good one. Take you care. Always a pleasure. The draft, buddy. Got to get you back on. Fair enough. I look forward. All right, Bye-bye. buddy. Good luck tomorrow. Take we, care. We got this. We don't need luck. We'll be all right. <laughs> all right. So that was Pete talking a little bit of draft, and now we're going to go back to the phones before we pick up. Where we left off, we'll, uh, we'll get rolling with round two. We have a caller on the line from a 908 area code. Caller, you're on the line. What do you got for us? Hey, how's it going, Glenn? How's it going, Alex? And hey, Is this Kyle? I'm sorry, the third, the third person is, is it Dylan? Dylan so Dylan's not with us tonight, unfortunately. Okay. All right, well, then I guess I didn't disrespect him then. How you guys nope, doing? No. Nope. Doing good. Thanks for calling in, man. Uh, you know, been a long time since uh, since you and I have talked some Jets here, and I'm um, glad that, you know, you were able to get in uh, the day before for the mock draft. So let's get right into it, Kyle. Um, you're, you're putting in the card for number two. What are we doing tomorrow? I'm still – there's still a little part of me that's upset that it's not Trevor Lawrence, man. That, that hurts. That really hurts. Um, <laughs> but, I mean – it, it seems like it's going to be Zach Wilson. I'd be shocked. I think you guys would be shocked if it wasn't him. Um, and I don't want to, you know, seem like I'm hopping on the bandwagon or anything. And I know that there are still some people that say Fields. 
But after watching 14 coaches' films of, of Wilson and about 10 of Fields, I do like Wilson better personally. Um, so that's the guy that I would take that to. Um, yeah, I – um, Go ahead, guys. Go ahead. No, I, I, did, I said uh, a few weeks ago that um, – Leading up to this draft, it, this is the most I've ever watched of any any uh, pair of quarterbacks. I probably watched, I don't probably twelve of Wilson's games and six or seven Fields games, and Wilson just to me, you know, some of the things I mentioned earlier. I I think the release is quicker. I think we see more arm angles to get the ball out where it needs to go. We do see some of that from Fields, but I see more of that from Wilson. Um, and I, I just think that the, the accuracy is the thing that jumps out because due to the fact that he played at BYU and he didn't have five-star recruits around him, he often had to be perfect on his throws, whereas Justin Fields, and I've said this before, I, and I feel like I have to keep saying it because people get upset when you don't pick their guy. Um, I'm not saying Justin Fields can't consistently make tight window throws. I'm saying I've not seen him do it because he hasn't been asked to. So that's the difference to me. If it turns out that he's just as good as Zach Wilson in that area, then he might, he probably is the better prospect, but I've not seen that. So I don't know. So to me, pinpoint accuracy is too big of a factor to just take a wild guess and say, well, I'm sure he'll be able to do that. Whereas with Zach Wilson, we just see it consistently. It shows up on film. It shows up in the numbers, 73% completion percentage. PFF has him as the highest graded downfield passer on deep ball accuracy. He's accurate at every level. It, to me, he's the clear cut guy, but I understand people have their opinions. Yeah. You know, so the thing, I, the thing with fields is I, I don't question his arm talent in any regard. I think he, I think he shows touch like, so, so fields has a really nice deep ball. I mean, like he, he can really push it far and he's got, he, ha- he does have a very good amount of touch. Something Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold has no touch on his deep ball. None. Uh, and I've been criticizing him for that for so many years. But, um, uh, so, but the thing with Fields is it's hard, it's hard for me to break it down exactly, but just things look so easy with that Ohio State offense. I mean, there were times where Fields didn't even have to drop back to throw a lot because the running game was so good. And, mm-hmm. dude, this kid Olave, man, he – I, I don't well, want to ask like, a else. lot about a lot of prospects. He should have came out, man. He is good, Chris Olave. We broke my him. heart this year. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't know what he did going back to school. but um, And, and Field struggled when he wasn't on the field. I'm sure you guys talked about that a lot. For me, the thing that really separates um, Wilson from Fields is, is not a matter of really uh, – and I do agree with you that I, I, I still like uh, Wilson's accuracy and touch better than Fields. I think the biggest thing is just um, making things happen out of structure. No doubt about it, Justin Fields is insanely athletic. He's going to be a borderline top five running quarterback in the league at the moment he's drafted. Borderline, because he's insanely athletic and he's big. But there's still something about him where he doesn't really create magic out of structure as often as you would want him to. And I'm not talking about, you know, pulling – pulling the ball on an option play and, and gaining 10 yards. You know, he's going to be fine at doing that in the NFL. I'm talking about you drop back three-step, five-step drop. Nobody's there. Nobody's open. Your offensive lineman got his ass kicked. You need to pull a Russell Wilson, pull a Patrick Mahomes, you know, spin out of the pocket, throw across your body. That's Zach Wilson. And, you know, people try to, after the pro days, people try saying, Oh, you know, and Zach Wilson had the crazy throw. 
He's rolling out, boots out to his left. He throws across his he's, – he's running to the left, throws across his body, drops it in a dime, but he throws to the right. And people try to say, oh, Sam Donald made the same throw against the 49ers, and then they try to say, oh, Justin Fields, he made the same throw at his pro day. No, 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 no. The throws are completely different. Fields' throw was awesome, but he's rolling to his left. He throws to his left. He, he yes, he's throwing, he's throwing to, to the right. direction that his momentum is carrying him. Exactly. So Wilson, he's got that, that, that just magic. Like, you're going against Bill Belichick twice a year. Bill Belichick, he's going to draw up a perfect game plan for you. He's not going to know it hits you. But if you look in the Super Bowl, which the Seahawks should have beat the Patriots in 2014, um, there was just some Russell Wilson magic plays where Belichick drew up a, an insanely – he drew up the right defense, the right call. Nobody was open. But Russell Wilson made his Russell Wilson things happen, breaks down out of structure. Zach has that. And if you look at all the top quarterbacks in the league right now, whether it's Watson, whether it's um, Russell Wilson, whether it's Mahomes, uh, even let's, let's even say Josh Allen, guys. I'm sorry. I, I'm the biggest jo- basher of Josh Allen out there. I was so wrong. He even has some of that. And I, yeah, and, and I think that for you to really be elite in the NFL nowadays, you have to have that, that athleticism, which both Wilson and Fields do, but there is some type of magic that's just hard to quantify that Wilson has that I just don't see Fields having. Fields is good in so many ways. I think his footwork is pretty good. Um, you know, like I said, I don't question the arm at all, but it's just that magical improvisation that Wilson has. And another thing, too, yeah. if we're just talking about arm strength, too, dude, Wilson's arm is, you know, it's very, very good. If you look at his tape, his tape is littered with him making opposite hash um, outbreaking routes. But he's throwing out routes from the far hash sideline. His tape is littered with that. Those are NFL throws. It's all over his tape. All right, I'll shut up. And he has, he has one throw. I forget who it came <laughs> against. Um, I believe they, it, ended up, they, it ended up being a touchdown. He rolled out to his right. He was standing on the right hash and threw across his body and hit his receiver 58 yards down the field on the left sideline. Um, and it was probably Dax Milne because it seems like all of his big plays were to Dax Milne. Um, and he took it in for a touchdown. Um, and in terms of throwing across his body, there was one play, I think it was very early on. I could be wrong, but I think it was really early in the Navy game where there was a bad snap that rolled around on the ground. He had, a, he had a bobble it around, scoop it, pick it up, and run to his right. And then once he finally got a handle on it, he had to adjust and throw across his body to his left to hit his receiver on a crossing route. And he did it with pinpoint accuracy. And those are the throws I'm looking at and thinking, how do you not want this guy? Exactly. Yeah. Dude, I'm, I'm, I'm very, 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 very excited for the kid. And I, just, I really just hope that we do him right this time around because – as much as I was not a fan of Sam Donald's game and never really was, at the same time, there is somewhat of an excuse to be made for Donald because they didn't really Absolutely. put anything around him to help him develop. But Wilson, True. that's why, you know, listen, if we use our first two other picks in the draft to go offense, I'm all for it. You know, even if, it's, even if you have a defensive player on your board who you like a little bit better than an offensive player, I know that's kind of, you know, being sacrosanct with the draft. You're supposed to go best player available. But if I can get a guy who's going to help out this young quarterback, you know what? So what? I'll, I'll break my principles a little bit because you've got to develop this kid, right? So <laughs> while you bring that up, Kyle, i got to ask now. You're handed the card. You're running it up for 23. Who are you taking to support Zach Wilson for the Jets' future? Uh, this is a great question, and I'm going to plead ignorant. I don't want to be like a, a – 
a blowhard person who acts like, you know, they just read a couple mock drafts and said we should go with this guy. Because the truth is, is I just, I spent a lot of time watching Wilson and Fields, um, and I didn't watch pretty much anyone else other than, like, you know, a couple little names here or there. I don't know who's going to be there at 23. Um, but you know how Douglas kind of played around with the idea that we could kind of trade up? There is a part of me that really likes the idea of trading up, and if if somehow Pitt slides, which is possible, because we're talking how many, five quarterbacks could go in the top ten? It's possible, right? If if Chase, Devonta Smith, or um, Pitts, one of these top pass catchers slides, I might really start thinking seriously about trading up for one of them. I know probably not a lot of Jets fans agree with me for that. But if you're really sold on a pass catcher, you know, that kind of that kind of strikes me as intriguing. But I don't know. I mean, like, so I, I don't want to act like I, I – if you throw a name out, I might not know this guy. Um, I hear, oh, Elijah Vera Tucker's pretty good. I haven't watched him. Um, but I, I really want it to be an offensive player, though. I really, really want it to be. And people keep saying Newsom might be there at 23. I haven't watched Newsom. Do we need a corner? We absolutely do. But you tell me, are, are, do we really realistically, do we expect the Jets to make the playoffs this year? I mean, maybe they could. It's not impossible, right? The 49ers had the second pick in the draft. The very next year they went to the Super Bowl. It's possible. Um, but it's unlikely the Jets are they're, they're in full rebuild mode, so it's unlikely that they're going to go far. We have a huge need at corner. But for me, I'd rather much be a, an offensive player. I know it's kind of a cheap cop-out answer. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's the best I got. No, no sweat, man. Like we talked about corners. I, you know, they do need one. Yep. I think there will be a couple of good ones available in the in the middle rounds. I hope that's where the Jets go because I hope the early focus is on offense. Maybe one defensive guy, if you can get a pass rusher or a a, a, a really good corner who falls more than you expect them to. Uh, you know, someone talked about Zayvon Collins. I wouldn't mind him at twenty three, but I think the uh, the early emphasis should be on offense. But I wouldn't be shocked if they throw a defensive player in there. But uh, you got anything else for us before we let you go? Well, I guess I'll just ask you guys then. So let's say they do stay at 23, and we're talking um, receivers or interior offensive linemen. My question mm-hmm. is, out of, out of those options, who do you guys like best? Who, who could realistically be there at 23? Educate me. Well, for me personally, um, I would prefer interior offensive line, especially with having added Corey Davis, having Denzel Mims, Jamison Crowder. I feel like that interior is a bigger need. You mentioned Elijah Vera Tucker who is a guy that surprisingly a few mock drafts now seems to have him falling a little bit more than people anticipated. And, you know, now they're saying he might be there at 23. I'd be fine with that. My honestly, my ideal scenario. Um, and I've said this a couple times now is I would like to see them grab a college tackle who they feel can play inside or outside and let that guy play guard for a year. Kind of similar to what the Ravens did with Jonathan Ogden. Not that you're getting a Jonathan Ogden at 23, but if you get a tackle at 23 and or even 34. Did and, that was Laramie Tunsil his rookie year. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Tunsil did that. Ogden did that. So, yeah, grab a tackle at 23 or 34, let that guy play guard for a year, and then let him push George Fant next season. Uh, so that would be my ideal scenario at 23, would be offensive lineman who could play inside and then slide to the outside next year. I would hold off on, on wide receiver until a little later on. Yeah, I'm, I'm one in the same with you there, Glenn. Uh, I think, you know, in that per- particular scenario, 
I think going to the trenches and, and getting, you know, somebody that can keep work right and, and support the run game and things like that, I think that's the best way to build a balanced offense so that we know that our, our new young single caller isn't getting, um, you know, the snot beaten out of them. Um, so I would probably be more inclined um, to take an offensive lineman just with the way that things have, have unfolded with our free agency. You know, in the event that we signed a big-ticket offensive lineman and not a Corey Davis, I mean, we would probably be talking scenarios like Kadarius Toney or Rashad Bateman, um, maybe even a Terrence Marshall or something like that, um, excuse me, as far as the receiver's concerned. But I, I feel with the way that the things have happened within our offseason, I think at 23 it makes a lot of sense for, for us to go to the trenches. Yeah, I, I do think that having a solid offensive line is the best. It, it is, I would say that that's greater to helping a young rookie quarterback than it is um, a receiving corps. You know, and I think one of the reasons why Dax Prescott, a fourth rounder, became what he is is because he had such a great offensive line early on in his career. Anyway, yeah, I guess he was uh, in, you guys got to move on, he, though, right? So. Yeah, yeah, we're going we're gonna to go on to our second pick here on the mock, but thanks so much for calling in, Kyle. We really appreciate it. You guys have a good one. You thanks, too, Kyle. Now. Thank you. Be well, bud. All right. So uh, a few phone calls mixed in after our first pick. So uh, let's go ahead. That'll, that'll simulate the 24 hours between round one and round two. And, Alex, uh, you went with uh, Trey Lance with the second pick. I went with Zach Wilson. So now round two or at the end of round or the, the little bit later in round one with pick 23, this is where I made my trade, Alex. Um, and again, okay. of course, these trades have to be proposed and accepted on the, on the, the TDN network. I went ahead and I dealt picked. I moved down quite a bit. So people may not like it, but it is what it is. I moved down hmm. from 20, from 23 all the way down to 43 with the San Francisco 49ers. Ooh. And I, in exchange for pick 23, I added picks 43, 102, 117, and 194. So I get a pick. I mean, that 102, as far as I'm really 117 too. Those are right on the border of that sort of that premium that premium pick area where you should expect to be able to find some starting players. So 43, 102, 117, and 194. Alex, did you deal pick 23 or pick 34? Where did you make your deal? Uh, I, I sat put. And, um, you know, this is uh, somebody that uh, Kyle had just mentioned um, earlier, and uh, I'm going to the trenches here. Like I said, uh, Elijah Vera Tucker really seems like a home run pick here, plug-and-play guy. You know, he's had experience playing left tackle. He's had experience playing left guard. I think that he would be an immediate upgrade to our left guard position. You put him next to Becton. You have him next to Connor McGovern. Next thing you know, you know, from the center position to the left tackle is actually a strength for us. And I think that that would uh, be the quickest way to fix some of the, um, you know, deficiencies that we have in the uh, offensive line. All right. So for me, I went ahead with pick 34 and I went offensive line and I did exactly what I said I would like the Jets to do and grab a tackle who can play guard and swing back out tackle at some point in the future. I went ahead and grabbed uh, Dylan Reduns out of North Dakota State. He's a guy that we've talked about a bit on the show. He's been uh, up and down draft boards online and mock drafts. And I think he's a guy who can play some right guard. 
So I'm looking at Redunds at right guard. I'm looking at uh, Cam Clark at left guard uh, to compete. You know, let Cam Clark compete with Alex Lewis. And, you know, uh, if you want to look at GVR there, then fine. Let the best man win. But listen, and here's another thing I meant to say. No matter, you know, whatever trade we make, whatever players we pick, and, you know, criticize away, that's absolutely fine. Uh, but you're not going to fix this team in one offseason. So you can't be like, oh, well, you did this, which meant you couldn't do that. Or you did this, which means you couldn't do this. Yeah, the Jets aren't in position to add 29 players in the draft. So you're going to come up short in one or two areas while you try to improve this roster. So for me, it's Zach Wilson at two, Dylan Redunds at 34. And Alex, you're up next. What do you got? Okay. Um, so it's interesting what, you know, a player that Pete had talked about um, earlier was, uh, excuse me, Nashi Harris, um, you know, possibly the next Steven Jackson. And for a very long time, this was my number 34 pick. Um, I just kind of feel that there are certain teams that, you know, buck the trend and will will take that, you know, premier running back and, um, you know, get that workhorse, you know, to, to add that element of explosiveness to your offense. I kind of felt with the way that the Jets have built this team thus far, didn't make a lot of sense at 23 to go that route. But at 34, Javante Williams is still on the board. I think that this kid is a dynamic runner. I think that he would be a perfect element to this offense, grooming your future quarterback and having a – um, explosive running back on a four-year rookie contract to, to go with him, you know, I think it would just be a perfect fit because if you look at that, that uh, you know, offense that, you know, Zach Wilson had with, in BYU, he had a very, very good running back. <laughs> Excuse me. And I think that having that an explosive back like Williams, who's an absolute nightmare once he gets into space, um, kind of turns into a bowling ball and just kind of runs through people. I think that he would bring a great dynamic to this offense. And then, you know, as far as, you know, creating the play action and doing things like that, I think it would really, really create a uh, great scenario for, for Mike LaFleur's offense. And, you know, he had a great year last year. He had over, I think, about 22 touchdowns with around, you know, 14 to 1,500 uh, all-purpose yards. And, um, you know, I think that he – is also a good threat in the in the pass game as well. Um, so yeah, Javante Williams run up the card, and uh, let's get our our lead dog running back in in uh, this offense. All right. So now was that pick twenty three for you, Alex? That was uh, thirty four. My twenty third was Elijah Vera Tucker. So I oh, just of course. Sorry. Second okay. round pick, and I know you made some moves. So if you want to take the floor and kind of go through with what you got. Um, let me know when we get to pick 66. Yeah, no, okay, so that's what we'll do. So we've both done uh, pick 34. So, yeah, so you don't have a 43. I have a pick 43. I'm going with Carlos Basham, a guy we've talked about extensively, one of my favorite guys mm-hmm. in this class. We talked about him with Emery Hunt. I think that those who are mocking him in round three are out of their minds. I don't think he'll be there. I'm not even sure he'll be there at 43, but it's not, it's not quite as crazy as saying, you know, get him at, you know, 65 or whatever, 66. Um, he won't be there at 66. 43 is a possibility. I think he's a guy who should be getting a lot more hype. Um, again, and listen, every year we see one or two, maybe three guys who go in the first round and surprise people. I mean, sometimes you shock people. Sometimes it's like nobody saw it coming. 
Uh, Basham is a guy that wouldn't shock me. If he went in round one, I think it's completely understandable, justified. Uh, you can do that as a team. You're adding a, an elite player at a premier position who can play the run and the pass. But he was there at 43, not beyond the realm of possibility. So I'm going with Basham at 43 to address or to improve what should be an elite front seven. That brings us to pick 66. Alex, who you got at 66? Okay. So um, just pull up my mock here, make sure I got it right. Okay. So this is somebody that I had talked about um, earlier. I think he was on um, when we did, uh, you know, my guys or our favorite guys on that episode here. Um, This one, again, is probably going to, you know, be a little alarming or shocking to some of our fans here. But I, I, I look at this young prospect and I think about the Shanahan offense. And, yes, I'm sticking to an offensive theme in this draft because I kind of felt that the way that the Jets were going to take this approach was Sala was going to bring in his talent from the free agency market on what he felt needed to be done defensively, and that gave us the opportunity to have more of an offensive draft. So here we're sticking with offense, and I'm going with Tommy Tremble, tight end at a Notre Dame. I think that his potential – and in in the NFL, even though he's labeled as a blocking guy, I just think that there's untapped potential there. I think that if you put him in the right system, you feature him as a you know the number two guy in the offense, to where he's making mismatches with you know slower linebackers or maybe you know box safeties that you know don't do well um, you know in coverage. I think that he would create mismatches in that area, and when he's got his hand in the dirt. I think it's like having a a sixth offensive lineman out there. He loves to hit people. He loves to bury bodies into the field. He will just take you right off your feet, you know, stand over you and pound his chest like an alpha. I love everything about his play. He's tenacious out there. And if he were a jet, he would be probably be one of Baldy's, you know, second favorites. I know Becton is kind of his number one guy from our team, but I think that he would be getting at least some highlight reels from Baldy on Mondays and Tuesdays from the things that he does on the field. Uh, I don't disagree with anything you've just said, Alex. Um, if I, I, I recently did a, appeared on um, the No Fly Zone radio Jets podcast for, with a couple of guys over here in Ireland, Biff Sweeney and Richard Tinley. They do a great job. I do their show every now and then. I did a mock with them, uh, and we talked about the tight end position. And I, having kind of said throughout this process, I wouldn't be interested in the tight end because I'm not bailing on Chris Herndon. It kind of hit me one day, and I was like, adding another good tight end isn't a bad thing. Like, you can like Chris Herndon and still add another tight end and go with two tight end sets. In today's NFL, these guys can line up in the slot. They're not just restricted to the tight end spot. They're both three-down guys. They can both block. They can both catch. Um, so I, I love that pick, and I'm, I'm far more open-minded to the thought of a tight end in this year's class. That being said, I didn't take one in this spot. I did go with the 66 pick with a guy I've taken in previous mocks. I believe you took him in a previous mock. I'm going to address the cornerback position and go with Paul Sinadebo out of Stanford. Uh, very productive guy. Had something like 17 uh, passes broken up a couple years ago. Has made some absolutely insane athletic, leaping, diving, sliding interceptions. And for one, one reason or another, I don't know why, but he's just the guy who slid. Uh, I, I forget what, you know, I was watching a few of his games, and there was one in particular where the broadcasters, you know, again, it was from two years ago, 
Um, and they, they said he is, if not the best, he is one of the best corners in the country. And I don't feel like that ever changed. I just think some other guys emerged and passed him. But I think he is a mm-hmm. day one starter, and the Jets need that. And if I can grab him at 66, then I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do backflips. So he's my pick at 66, and that brings us to 86. What do you got, Alex? Okay. So right here, um, going back to the trenches here, somebody that I talked about a lot on our chat board, and this is Ben Cleveland, excuse me, out of Georgia. He's a mammoth of a man. I think that he could potentially steal the right guard position from Greg Van Roten, um, or at least, you know, nip his heels, and then maybe at some point um, they would be their hand would be forced to, to put him in. Um, I love what he does in the running game. I love how he finishes guys out on the field, um, kind of plays through the whistle. And like I said, um, I want, you know, big, hungry, you know, farm animals protecting my quarterback. I've watched, you know, over the last recent years, injury after injury, our quarterbacks be demolished because of the pass rush. I've just seen, you know, spirits be broken out there and that needs to stop. The Jets need to go all in in making the best scenario for their new quarterback. And I think, again, it seems a little crazy to go all offense for, you know, my first four picks here, but or sorry, my first five picks here, but I think this is the way that you change all of our past and put us and project us into the right direction offensively. Yeah, I don't have any issue with it. I, I, you know, we, I'm sure we've all done a million mocks, uh, whether out of boredom or for the show. But uh, I've had several where I look at it afterwards and go, "Oh wow, I, I took you know six out of my first seven picks were on offense," um, and that may have happened here as well. If not, well, at least my top three or four. Um, if I hadn't traded mm-hmm. out and and if Basham hadn't, it was just Basham happened to be the best player on the board in that spot, and he's one of my favorite guys on the in the class, and he fills a need so. That's why I went with him, but I don't think any Jets fan would be upset if we saw multiple linemen and multiple weapons to surround the next quarterback with. Um, So on that note, at 86, I'm going with the guy that I've gone with in every mock, favorite guy in the class. We've already talked about him, Kenneth Gainwell. Running back out of Memphis, I can say it till I'm blue in the face. Runs inside, runs outside, plays the slot, plays out wide, can block, can catch, can do everything, and runs a 4-4-2 to boot. I'm taking Kenneth Gainwell. I think if he had played this year and not opted out, he'd be in the conversation as a top 50 pick. As it turns out, he opted out, uh, didn't play, and is being mocked in that range. So I'm taking Kenneth Gainwell there. Um, Alex, I'll jump the line here because I do have another pick here that you don't um, with yep. uh, pick pick 102 that I acquired in that trade. And I think that uh, I think this is a guy who really, you know, kind of – based on what we were saying earlier in terms of guys who uh, maybe we wouldn't have been interested in a while back, but uh, I'm going with Hunter Long here. I'm going with the tight end out of Boston College. I prefer Tommy Tremble. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. I think I may be taking Tommy Tremble in the mock that I did with the no-fly zone guys. One of us did. Um, But listen, I I actually – it was because watching – I watched the Notre Dame-Boston College game and both those guys, Hunter Long and Tommy Trumbull, just making plays. And I just said to myself, yeah. well, why the hell, as much as I like Chris Herndon, why the hell does it only have to be Chris Herndon? Pair him with one of mm-hmm. these guys and let's, let's, get, let's move the ball in the middle of the field. So 
So I'm going with Hunter Law on the six foot five receiving tight end out of uh, Boston College with the 102nd pick, and that brings us to pick 107. Who are you taking at 107, Alex? Um, and, yeah, just before you go there, I mean, look at what New England did with their tight end situation, and look yeah, at what absolutely. Detroit did, bringing in Hawkinson, and I think they – did they bring in, like, Gerald Everett, or I forgot where he went. But, um, well, I'm sorry, I, I don't think that, that scenario would happen. I think he went elsewhere. But, you know, that's what you brought up is a great point, is that, you know, if you don't have the opportunity to have – you know, two viable threats on your outside at wide receiver, you know, having two threats at the tight end position is equally as dynamic and is equally as threatening to a defense. So, um, you know, the Jets just need to stop, you know, being complacent with certain things and, and get an edge offensively somewhere. And I think that, you know, a guy like, you know, Hunter Long, as you said, would, would absolutely be great because he's, probably the most balanced tight end in this class, I would think, between the receiving and the blocking aspect. Um, right. You know, and I don't know what he does better, but I think that that's a no-brainer, and, you know, he would easily compete for that number one position and definitely be the number two. <clears throat> but moving to my fourth pick, I'm finally addressing the defense here, folks, and uh, where I'm going to Syracuse here, I'm going to get a cornerback out of Trill Williams, I uh, nice. really, really like what I saw with this kid. Um, you know, I think this is one of those scenarios where what I talked about earlier, Glenn, um, due to the COVID situation with, with players opting out, certain players that were injured, not enough information going to these teams. I think we're going to see a lot of talented players that we didn't anticipate to fall as far as they did. And we'll be scratching our head saying, I can't believe this guy was available, you know, in this round at this spot. Um and, you know, Trill Williams, you know, for those that have watched him, you know, you'll obviously, you know, have a little bit more um, of an understanding where I'm going here because he plays very physical, um, you know, doesn't really jump off the page with his stats. But when you watch what he does, you know, as, as a tackler being physical, um, he's everything that you would want on an outside corner. You could be comfortable with him um, keeping outside containment. Um, he will give you an occasional, um, you know, tackle for a loss in the backfield and create some havoc back there. Um, one of his interceptions that he had in his career was against the number one consensus pick, Trevor Lawrence, and he almost had a pick six, but he was tackled at like the two-yard line. Um, so, you know, the talent is there, um, you know, and I think it's just scratching the surface, and I think that he would uh, compete to, to maybe even – be a starter, um, you know, with, with the guys that we have here. We, we don't really know, you know, how this defensive back room is going to pan out in the cornerback position. So, uh, you know, Trill Williams, I think, would uh, put, a, put a good case into maybe cracking this lineup if he was selected. Yeah, Trill Williams, I'm trying to remember if it was an overtime or not. He had a great play. Um, if, you know, if you just look at his stat line, he had a, a fumble recovery that was like a 95-yard fumble re- return. Um, mm-hmm. But if you watch the actual play, it was one of those, he just sort of, it was the the opposing running back was, was carrying the ball. He's sort of inside the five-yard line. And Trill Williams just ripped it out of his hands and turned around and took it 95 yards for the touchdown. Yeah, um, and I think quick. it was like, it may have been like an overtime game winner. I'm trying to remember. Um, just a, a really good play. Um Matter of fact, if you're uh, if you're following me here on Twitter, I that's uh, I really enjoyed that play, so I actually have it saved. I'm going to post that on Twitter real quick. 
But, um, yeah, mm-hmm. Trill Williams, he, I actually had him in one of the mocks I did earlier today. Um, I wanted to run a few, to, you know, and obviously I was going to pick my favorite one. Um, so I had Williams in that spot, but uh, not this time around. Uh, that was pick 107, correct? Correct. All right, so for my pick 107, um, I went with another guy who I noticed early on and didn't, he kind of went by the wayside, didn't talk about him for a while, and then uh, was going through some clips that I had saved a few weeks ago and, and came across him again. I was like, oh, I forgot how much I like this guy. Uh, Kendrick Green out of Illinois, offensive lineman. Uh, he's the reason why I didn't – between Kendrick Green and Cam Clark, that's why I didn't go with a more high-profile guard earlier on in the draft. That's why I was able to go with Basham because I think Green can be a starter. The dude is nasty. He puts guys on their back. If he, you know, if, if they're in a, a zone-blocking scheme and he's dropping back and looking for someone to hit and nobody comes in his zone, he will find somebody and lay them out. Uh, very physical guy. I think he has the ability to be a starting guard. And so that's what went with in that spot, Kendrick Green out of Illinois. Nice. Um, now, do you have another pick from your, your trade scenario that you have to throw in there? Or uh, I actually do, yes. My, my next one is 117. Uh, and this is where I'm going to get my second corner of this draft. The previous one, actually, as I said, I had drafted Trill Williams. And I had back-to-back Williamses. I went with Trill Williams, and then with this guy next, uh, Rodarius Williams out of Oklahoma State. Another corner. I watched a couple of their games. I liked what I saw. I liked the way he matched up with bigger receivers, didn't back down, stayed with them stride for stride. And I think he's a guy who can be a good value pick at 117, Rodarius Williams out of Oklahoma State. Nice. That brings us up, yes, to pick 146. Okay. So um, I'm going back to the defense here to try to create more balance. Um, somebody that probably hasn't been talked about a lot, um, somebody that I just kind of just happened to see when I was watching um, some of the Ohio State games this year, and I came across Jonathan Cooper. He's kind of been in the shadow the last few years, on, you know, with names like Nick Bosa and um, – oh, Lord, how did I just draw a blank here? Um, who was the edge defender from last year that went to Washington? Um, oh, my God. Young? Was it Chase Young? Chase Young. Oh, Ohio State. Yeah, Chase Young. Yeah. So I, I can't believe I drew a blank there. So th- he's kind of been in their shadow for the last couple of years. And, and again, like the, the stats are not going to jump off the page to you when you look at, you know, the body of work. But when you go out there and you see the things that he does and the way that he penetrates and how he – unravels, you know, running plays and, and puts pressure on the quarterback. Uh, I think there's great value in the fifth round here with a player like him. He comes from a great and, you know, he's been fighting and trying to get, um, you know, into that starting role behind pretty much superstars at the pass rushing position. So uh, I think that this is a depth piece, a kind of guy that rotates at defensive end and, and edge presence and uh, send in the card for Jonathan Cooper from Ohio State. All right. Uh, Cooper's a guy that I looked at, I think, uh, would be a a good pick in that spot. After Rodarius Williams, however, I am going to address receiver. And, uh, again, the reason I didn't address that earlier was because the the Jets have added some guys in free agency and, of course, Mims and Crowder. Not a huge need there. 
but I'm going to go with another guy who can become a quarterback's best friend and Anthony Schwartz out of Auburn. Some people say perhaps the fastest player in this draft because of guys like Schwartz and guys like uh, Seth Williams. And it's a few guys on that Auburn roster who I watched. And, and just as it turned just by chance, there were a few guys um, who I watched who were playing against Auburn. So I, I saw quite a bit of Schwartz. I feel like his production was good and would have been a lot better with better quarterback play. The guy just beat defenses deep consistently and I thought would have had a monster season with better QB play. So if you can get him at 146 and bring him along where he, he doesn't have to be a guy that you rely on heavily because of the pieces you already have in place. If you have Schwartz as your fourth and fifth receiver on multiple receiver sets that defenses have to account for, I think uh, Zach Wilson would be very happy. So that's who I'm going with at 146. Nice. Okay, so now we are moving into. Do you have any more trade picks? Or uh, I have one at one ninety four. So the next two okay. picks are are the Jets' own picks. Then I have one more mm-hmm. for my trade, and then uh, at pick two twenty six, that wraps it up. So I'll pull the trigger here. Um, somebody that we all talked about, you, Dylan, and I, very early in the process, and you know. This was, you know, TDN's board that, that I did this mock off of, and, and I'm not understanding why, but uh, Demetrius Felton. Uh, yeah, you know, he is, a, I was going to mention him. I don't. That guy is mm-hmm. like, he's basically an undrafted free agent on their board now. He falls all the way out on the mocks I've done. And, you know, I'm trying to look up, like, you know, did, did something happen, you know, off off the field that I'm unaware of that's created this scenario, or is he just, yeah. you know, one of those players that just kind of got lost in the riff here? Um, you know, he's somebody that I, I caught wind to uh, back in uh, 2019. Um, you know, Glenn, I'm, I'm a nut job, so I do college fantasy football, you know, and stuff like that. And he was one of these waiver ads that, you know, I said, oh, okay, this guy, you know, had a pretty decent week the week before. Let me just see what he could do this week. And he ended up sticking in my starting position for the rest of the season. Now, what he did in his junior year was a little bit more on the receiving side, whereas in 2020 he was featured a little bit more as a running back. So, you know, when I, when I look at the numbers and I look at the things that he did here, 1,100 yards on the ground, about 958 in the air, seven rushing touchdowns, eight receiving, very balanced player, somebody that's going to contribute to special teams right away at the kick return position. Um, He was their main guy at the kick return uh, job, and he averaged over 20 yards um, throughout his career, you know, statistically 23 and a half yards per return. So that's, you know, take that for what it's worth. But when you're talking about a late-round guy that could possibly – be your wide receiver five, wide receiver four. He has a little bit of gadget play in him. You can line him up in the backfield as a running back, so he'd probably be your number three or number four guy in the depth chart there. Also a plug-and-play guy for your wide receiver position. Just one of those guys, get the ball in his hands and just watch the magic happen. Um, Demetri Felton, one of my favorite guys, a very fun player to watch, brings a lot to the table. And, um, you know, if he does happen to fall, for whatever reason, um, I really hope that he's on the Jets' radar. Yeah, like I said, curious guy as to why he, he's fallen. Again, we, we say fallen. This is TDN. The guy might go in the fourth right. round for all we know, right? Um, exactly. 
I'm going to go with pick 154. Um, finally, listen, this, this team, this defense is going to, a lot, going to use a lot of safeties. Um, I really like uh, Cisco out of Syracuse, but he was off the board. So I'm going to go with another guy like a versatile safety who can do a little bit of everything uh, out of Missouri, Joshua Bledsoe at 154. And that, Ooh, brings that. Us, that brings us to 186. Who do you got at 186, Alex? Okay, so I'm sticking with a uh, wide receiver here, and, and I might as well put in a little content here. Um, a rumor had come out about a week or two ago about how the Jets might be putting a deal on the table for Richard Sherman, cornerback out of uh, San Francisco. Um, and I think what they're going to do is they're going to test the waters with the draft, see what they can come away with, try to pool whatever money that they have together, and they're going to try to go out there and get, you know, air quoting a number one guy for their cornerback uh, position. I I have a strong feeling that Sherman is going to be uh, the signing after the draft, but they're going to have to make some uh, cap space in order to make sure that they can get him signed, sign the rookies, and then have some money to carry over throughout the season. With this pick here, I have a, I, I hate to say this, but, I think that Jamison Crowder is not a lock for this lineup this year. Um, that's my bold prediction for this draft and for this offseason. Um, call me crazy. That's okay. I'm fine with it. And the reason being is because we're going to draft Cornell Powell here, a very physical receiver from Clemson. So now we've gone back to the offensive pool. We have a hybrid wide receiver and running back in Demetri Felton. And then we're bringing in a guy like Cornell Powell. I think that, it makes sense here to have another physical guy that can play outside. You can kind of move Mims around and put him into the inside, kind of like the way that Juju Smith-Schuster was used in, in, in Pittsburgh to where you can rotate for him to playing as a deep threat on the outside and then working over the middle and kind of mixing and, you know, creating mismatches with Mims. We have Keelan Cole for a one-year deal. Crowder we can make – I think up to $9 million in savings. So this is my bold prediction um, for the draft in this offseason um, that the Jets double dip into the, the uh, wide receiver market and there's a, a cap casualty with Jameson Crowder here. All right. I think Crowder stays. I think they want – Yeah, I think – and don't get me wrong. Um, I love the pick uh, with Powell. I've, I've, I've said before, and he actually came up on the no-fly – with the no-fly zone guys the other day. I feel like every time I do a mock at that those one of those last picks, I'm always debating between him and Simi Pahoko at a Stanford. I like both of those guys a lot. They have different skill sets, but both really good players in my eyes. Pick 186 for me, Alex, a guy I've taken, I think, in each of the last two mocks, definitely the previous one. And a guy I mentioned earlier, I'm taking him again, man, Chris Evans, running back out of Michigan. Uh, I feel like the Jets running back room isn't all that strong. I feel like the guys they have, uh, some of them aren't going to make the roster, and I want to see Chris Evans. Um, and I do like Ty Johnson. I think he sticks. But I would love Gainwell, Evans, Johnson as the top three backs on this roster. So I'm going with Chris Evans at 186. And I will actually mm-hmm. – excuse me. I'll jump in again and go with one – actually, did you you did your 186, Alex? I did. I only have one more pick left, um, which will be our final pick. So whatever you got with your trades, go for it. Yeah, I have the one pick at 194, 
And I'm going with an edge rusher out of Buffalo, Malcolm Kuntz. Uh, he's a guy, again, he's one of those, I, I could see him going earlier than this, but he is consistently there on the board for TDN. So I'm grabbing him there. We each have one pick left. Alex, who have you got for your last pick? Okay. And I was going to say your Chris Evans pick sounds so, you know, correct for the Jets because I think he's going to be 24-year-old rookie, and, and they always seem to find one of those older guys later in the draft that has a lot of value. So um, could, could definitely see that scenario playing out. But here's my final pick for the evening. This will be the 10th pick. Um, you know, if, if I had to say that with the trend of the years past, this will be traded to Indianapolis, as we've done in, in several drafts uh, with our seventh round pick. Um, but I'm going to take KJ Britt um, out of Auburn. He's a thumper, run-stopping linebacker. Um, no, you do not want him in on third down passing situations, covering running backs and tight ends or slot receivers. He does not have the athleticism or the coverage skills to do so. But I think as a run stopper, um, you know, in, in the early downs and as a backup, he, he'll be fine for a 4-3 fit, and he'll absolutely be a plug-and-play for special teams. Um, some people even say he's a special teams ace. And I think that when you're getting special team guys later on in the draft, I think that that's absolutely great as far as, you know, um, drafting, you know, in the conceptual, you know, as a whole and, and just kind of getting value from each round. I think getting special team guys in the later rounds are a really good value. All right, Alex, and that leaves me one final pick, 226. A guy I mentioned a few minutes ago, Simi Fajoko, uh, wide receiver out of Stanford, 6'4", ran a surprising 40, uh, but even more important than that to me, strong hands, ability to catch the ball, uh, high point the ball and out jump defenders with, with those long arms and that 6'4 frame. Uh, very productive player at Stanford. I think he can be as a developmental receiver in the NFL uh, with the ability to become a starting receiver. And, uh, and that wraps it up, folks. That is Mock Draft 3.0. And uh, wow. Alex, do you, do you have Dylan's Mock handy? Do you want to read that off? Yeah, you know, unfortunately, I don't think he, uh, he saw my message. And um, I know he posted something the other day, and I didn't want to discredit him, but I'll, I'll try to re- link up with Dylan tonight. Maybe we'll put out a tweet um, with his picks, and then we'll, we'll, we'll get all our picks out for tonight. Um, but, yeah, Dylan, uh, he, he's a hardworking man, you know, paying his bills tonight. So i uh, got to respect that. All right, man. So uh, take care. Jets fans, the draft tomorrow night, uh, 1 a.m. kickoff for me. So it's uh, it'll be a little bit of a battle. But I will be up. Sleep, I will be watching. <laughs> I will not sleep. Um, enjoy <laughs> it. Let, let's hope they get it right. And, uh, and Joe Douglas, we trust because we have no other choice. Take care, Jets fans. Have a great night. Let's go, Jets. We got this. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at JetNationRadio. Glenn is at AceFan23, and Alex is at NYJetsLife24. Until next time, go Jets.